glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the womb wide ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, they tackle him at the point of Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. Member of the Full Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me at Sports Fanatic MB on Twitter. And you can find my co host, Mr. Dennis Bennett, at Culture underscore Coach on Twitter. On top of us, there are a dozen of awesome podcasts a part of this network, including guys like Jim Day of the FF Champs. Adam Ronis and Dr. Roto from SiriusXM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, and Anthony Servino of FF Faceoff, and many, many others. Check them out at FullTimeFantasy.com. Again, great network, a ton of great podcasts with a ton of great fantasy advice and content. Not just us, so check it out and get all of your fantasy knowledge there. Want to give you guys a, a little bit of an update. So uh, last week I had talked about how this week would, we would be airing our college football specials. Well, that's not going to happen. Jeez, I'm an idiot. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I'm an idiot. So we had the amazing guest, Debbie Extraordinaire, Ray Garvin. You can find him at RayGQ on Twitter. Uh, writes for DLF, does the amazing Destination Devi podcast. Again, he, he's a great Devi college football expert. And I, I messed it up. Somehow I managed to uh, delete the files instead of save them because, yes, again, I'm, I'm pretty much an idiot. Uh, so we will be doing our wide receivers and tight ends this week, and then we will be getting Mr. Garvin on with us to do a full college preview that will come out before the college football season. I didn't want you guys to think that uh, I had lied to you, so I I just wanted to give you guys a heads up, let you know that, yes, I'm an idiot, man, and I did mess that up. But moving forward, as I said, we'll be doing our top 24 wide receivers today. Uh, We've got an interesting little run with this thing. We've done our quarterbacks and running backs already, and we will finish up with the tight ends this week. Again, we've got preseason games coming on this week. All all the teams are playing preseason one games, obviously, this week. We'll... uh, preview some of those and talk about those on Thursday's pod as well. Um, obviously not a lot of probably starters are playing in these first preseason games. That's stuff we will touch on for sure for on Thursday. Before we get into the breaking news and obviously bringing Dennis on here as well, I want to talk about Vegas. So just a reminder for you guys, me and Dennis and the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast will be at the Fantasy Football World Championship September 5th through 8th. Dennis will be there on the 5th, uh, you know, enjoying the opening night kickoff party and all that stuff at the Palms Resort. We will be recording the podcast live from Radio Row on September 6th and 7th. We will be doing some Twitter live stuff as well, along with Facebook 
Again, we, we cannot wait to get there and do this. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. A ton of drafts going on in the Fantasy Football World Championships. Both Dennis and myself will be participating in those drafts as well. Give us a chance to win some big money, put our money where our mouths are, and kind of go up against the Sharks and the best in the world. So it should be a whole lot of fun, but just wanted to give you guys an update on that. And last but not least, I also want to let everybody know the same with the uh, Midwest Fantasy Expo, something we've talked about many a times here. So again, Dennis will be there on August 18th, the Sunday, uh, at 12 p.m. at the Canton Cultural Center in Canton, Ohio. A lot of great other podcasts will be there, such as the Dynasty Nerds, Fantasy Footballers, Rotoviz, the Blast Ball Girls, and a bunch of others that have just been continually adding themselves into this. It's going to be huge for fantasy football. If you are a fan of any of these shows or just fantasy football in general and you're going to be near Canton, Ohio or in the near vicinity of it on that uh, Sunday, head up there, guys. It's going to be a blast. You'll get to meet in person with a lot of the experts, a lot of people who produce these podcasts and do all these sites, rankings, everything. You get to talk to them in person about your teams, any questions you have. They'll be doing live mocks. They'll be talking about strategies on the live stage. You'll get to see podcasts being recorded live on the big stage. You know, Unfortunately, we won't be doing that this year because I won't be able to make it up there for that, but that is the plan next year. So if you guys come next year, you'll be able to see us record live, but there'll be a bunch of uh, podcasts recording live. It's going to be an awesome time. If you guys use the promo code NIGHTS, that is K-N-I-G-H-T-S, on the website, the at Midwest Fantasy Expo, you guys can get $5 off your tickets. Tickets are only $20, so you can get your ticket now for $15. You get a swag bag with over $100 worth of, uh, of credit in there. So in the end, you really end up quadrupling your money as it is just by going. Even if you don't go talk to anybody, the swag bag alone is going to be worth more than the ticket. <laughs> What's going on, Dennis? Thank you again for joining me today. How is your day been going? You know, I've had a pretty good day. Wrapped up payroll at work. My floor is almost done here at home. And like I said, I feel like I've been tiling the entire western half of Ohio. <laughs> but, but we're just about done with it. So I'm trying to wrap up these last uh, few little home improvement projects before football season kicks off. Oh, and it and technically it kicks off this Thursday. I guess we could say that. I mean, the Hall of Fame game, although it is a preseason game, isn't really a preseason game. So <clears throat> before we get into the breaking news, we just want to touch on that. So you've got 12 games going on Thursday night. Uh, this week, me and Dennis aren't going to jump too much into those because chances are most starters are coming out there and they're playing a series, if that. So there's not going to be much to break down or preview before that. Obviously, if you've got a favorite team, watch those guys. There's going to be a lot of probably rookies playing in these games, so that'll be fun to watch. But really, the starters and anybody fantasy relevant are not going to do much this week. We will review the games next week, especially if there's anybody that goes off. We'll all be watching for that. But just to give everybody a heads up, we do know games are starting this week. Again, 12 of them Thursday night. So that'll be uh, that'll be interesting. Then you've got a couple Friday night Saturday as well, and then I don't think there's any games Sunday. There are not. So you've got two games Friday night and then three games Saturday night. So just a weekend loaded with football should be awesome. I mean, I'll be watching 
whatever game is on. I think the NFL Network's uh, Thursday is the Giants and Jets. So I'll be watching that, even though I, I could really care less about either team at this moment. And then the Cardinals and Chargers are the late game. And then Steelers, Bucks on Friday, Cowboys, 49ers on Saturday, which I will be watching that one just to see how much uh, Tony Pollard and or Mike Weber get used with all the Zeke news, which leads us to our breaking news segment. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. All right, so for starters, let's just jump right back on the Zeke news. I mean, I know it feels like we've talked about him pretty much every podcast we've done here lately. A report came out earlier today that he will not play in 2019 until he gets a new contract. There was a little caveat put in there, said that he does think that he he won't come to that because he does feel like Jerry Jones is diligently working to get him a contract. So I just kind of, I know we've, we've talked about it a lot. So if you have anything you just want to add to this with Zeke, because I do think Melvin Gordon's situation is a little bit different. So we'll get to his in a minute. Well, I think, uh, for me, the big issue was um, the August 6th, but Dallas blinked and they picked up his option. And so now he he has a little bit more leverage with them uh, doing that. The big thing for me is how much, you know, is Jerry going to really prioritize the triplets. I, I think he is. I think he's looking at that and he's gonna he, he's working hard and it wouldn't surprise me to see them wrap them wrap up all three of them just right in or right in succession. Um, though I did see a thing with Amari Cooper saying, you know, he didn't necessarily need to get a deal done. Yes. Um, I saw you know, well. he's looking at it and thinking, you know what, I'm gonna go out i'm gonna be the number one here and i'm gonna go out and kill it and if they don't want to if, if they don't want to pay me then somebody else is gonna pay me so i think amari is uh looking at it because he knows wide receivers perform at a higher level for a longer period of time and even if he gets franchise tagged next year um you know what's he gonna make 20 million as a uh, one of the top five wide receivers yeah i'd imagine it's gonna be up there he's he's gonna get paid pretty well um and so i think uh, amari's sort of taking a look at it and figuring he understands that if dallas pays dak and then they pay zeke and they don't have enough money to pay him he he knows that he's the top dog in dallas and that they're gonna have a high-powered offense and he's going to put up some pretty impressive numbers, and somebody else is going to pay him. Yeah, I, I don't. I agree with you. I think he's going to prioritize paying the triplets. And if I remember correctly, they have the payroll and the the, the cap flexibility to do it. I think the biggest thing is they're going to miss out on paying other players that they need, like some of the offensive linemen. You've got Byron Jones, who's probably a top five cornerback, if not better in the league right now. I believe his contract is about to be up as well, so that's where I think it's going to affect them the most. If they really have to shell out, I mean, you're looking at probably 15 for for Zeke, 30-something for Dak, and then 
if you get into the 20s with Amari, they're not going to have much cap flexibility to pay other people. So I think that's probably the, the biggest thing for the Cowboys. At least that's what they're looking at, I would think. Other than that, uh, I agree with everything you said. On Melvin Gordon, this one is really starting to worry me. Or if I was a Melvin Gordon owner, I would be worried because it really seems like they neither side is budging. And we've seen this from San Diego or the Chargers side of things. So the Chargers have never really paid anybody. And they've been right there with Oakland considered some of the cash-poor teams in the NFL. If they're really sticking to their guns and only offering him $10 million a year and Melvin Gordon just does not seem to want to come off that, that he feels he deserves more money than that, how worried are you, I guess, that he could end up sitting the entire season? Or, well, he can't sit the entire season. He has to come back by week eight, I believe, uh, to try and get that accrued season. So how worried are you that he will sit the full eight weeks on a scale of one to ten? Well, I don't own Melvin Gordon on any of my teams, <laughs> well, neither do so I. I'm not personally worried about it. But I, I do think that that's the only leverage he has, and I believe they have to play six games, so he has to come back after by, by week ten at the latest. Um, so I see him doing that. Uh, he if he decides, <laughs> hey, it's I, I don't have any other recourse. Um, I don't think it, it – does it hurt the Chargers? Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler perform consistently like Melvin Gordon did. Now, granted, Melvin was only really efficient just last year. The previous seasons, he was uh, not, not a really efficient runner, didn't average four yards a carry. So – Phillip Rivers is not afraid to throw the ball, and they've got Mike Williams and Hunter Henry and Keenan Allen, and uh, getting, you know, going to a passing-oriented offense. Phillip Rivers doesn't have any issues with that at all. So it's kind of a situation that if he holds out that long, it could end up just it's it ends up kind of being a push. He doesn't get what he wants. I don't think they get what they want. And going into next season, you know, do they franchise tag him because that's their only recourse? Because now he's mad they didn't sign him in 2019. So there's no incentive for him to uh, sign a new long-term deal with them. You know, it's, it's, it could end up being a real sticky situation. Uh, ultimately, 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 easy for me to say. I think it comes down to how well Melvin Gordon has managed the money from his rookie contract. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's good. Like I said, for me, his is more interesting because I don't – I would not be surprised if he does that. The only reason I brought up week eight is because usually when you see something like that, teams put those players on – I can't remember what the list is, but something where they don't play for the next two weeks because they have to get in conditioning and football shape. So if he comes back by week eight, then that means they can't. Uh, they have to take him off that list after two weeks. So that would be week ten, which would give him the six weeks. Because if he comes back by week ten, I believe they can do uh, what the Browns did for Josh. Well, Josh Gordon, I think, got suspended, and that's how they did it. But there's other players who've come back, and the the players can put them on the physically not able to perform or something like that because they just came back to camp. Uh, and and if the Chargers do that at all to Gordon. With, if he comes back in week 10, he won't be able to get the six games accrued. 
But I, I'm right there with you. I'm worried about... he He's the one that worries me out of all the holdouts. Uh, I don't... I just don't think that he... His leverage is as much as he thinks it is because while, yes, I, I agree Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler, we haven't seen it, but I would imagine together those two can produce something close to what Melvin Gordon has shown. Phillip Rivers has shown us that he does not have to have a running back in the backfield to be productive or at least let the, help the Chargers win. And with that wide receiver core, Hunter Henry coming back, if he's healthy at all, that defense that they have, which is likely going to keep them in every single game, they might not need Melvin Gordon. If they come out there and they start winning without Melvin Gordon, if, if they end up with a winning record, you know, say they go in five and three or six and two or even four and four into week eight before Gordon comes back, he's lost all of his leverage, in my opinion. So it, it's a um, it's a dangerous game that he's playing. I get it. Uh, you know, I've said before, I'm, I'm very much pro player in the NFL. They have a they have short shelf lives, so get all the money that you can. But again. I believe I said this in the last podcast. If, if they're offering you $10 million and you want $12 million a year, why not just hit back and be like, dude, give me ten five and, and let's go. Right? Like, meet them halfway. Do something. Because if they're really not willing to budge off of $10 million right now and you want $12, $13, $14, and they're not going to give it to you, you, you might end up sitting out and then who knows what happens to you in the future. Some of the other news we've got. So just really quick on the Zeke thing. Uh, there was a story that just got updated uh, by Kevin Potra, I believe is how to say his name, uh, an NFL writer, uh, that the Cowboys have made generous offers to Deke, Deke, wow, there we go, Matt, Dak, Zeke, and Cooper, trying to to, to, to make the two into one there. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if that plays out at all into something that just got updated about 15 minutes ago, that all three of those guys have gotten sizable offers from the Cowboys uh, really not a whole lot of other news um, outside of two stories for me. One of them not a big thing, but looks like Dwayne Haskins right now is starting as third on the depth chart behind Case Keenum and Colt McCoy as the starter. That's interesting to me. The Redskins have liked Colt McCoy for the past couple years. There was a lot of hype about him last year when Alex Smith first got hurt, and then, of course, Colt McCoy broke his leg in that next game. Interested to see what he can do with the Redskins offense. Uh, do you have any thoughts on on Dwayne Haskins being third and Colt McCoy being the starter there in Washington? Well, I I think it's a lot of it's just window dressing. Um, Haskins has the most natural talent of any of the three of them. It'll just come down to uh, can Haskins uh, process the NFL speed quickly enough to be able to handle being an NFL quarterback as a rookie. You know, I think part of the the challenge he faces is that he did only start for one year at Ohio State uh, before he came out. Now, he played a, a decent amount the previous year, but a lot of it was in blowouts against teams that, frankly, weren't terribly good. Um and so he does have some proving to, to do there, but he's got all the tools. Uh, I, I like Haskins as a prospect, but I think that there's going to be that, that you know, who gives us the best chance to win mentality coming out of Washington and by who gives us the best chance to win, I think it comes down to Who's going to make the fewest mistakes? Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree 100% because the one thing we all have to, to remember here with Washington is Jay Gruden is probably starting this year on the hot seat. Uh, he's been there for a couple years. Ever since Cousins left, they really, well, that was only a year ago, but they've really kind of struggled to put anything consistent together while in Washington. Now, I don't think Jay Gruden is a bad coach, but I do think that this is somewhat smartly a, a move to try and help him stay in Washington I do I heard the narrative the other day that well if he would put Haskins out there maybe the the front office would extend him for a couple years saying hey look he, he's got a rookie quarterback now like well, he, he's not going to be able to win this year but as he stated in an interview I saw yesterday Colt McCoy knows the offense he knows it better than Case Keenum and he definitely knows it better than Dwayne Haskins so I get him trying to win they do have a good team around them a lot of people want to kind of right off the Redskins because not a lot of people talk about him, but even if Trent Williams doesn't come back, he's holding out right now. They still have one of the better offensive lines in the game if they stay healthy. They have, you know, two good running backs in Darius Geis and Adrian Peterson. Chris Thompson is also very good when he's healthy. Jordan Reed can be an elite tight end when he's healthy. They have a lot of wide receivers that could do something. It'll be interesting to see if any of them step up, they added a couple rookies. We haven't seen Josh Doxson break out yet, and they've got a pretty good defense as well. So, And in the division, I think, is fairly winnable. I mean, I would say the Cowboys and Eagles are definitely a step above Washington, but you never know what could happen. So it's going to be an interesting watch for sure with the Redskins on what they do. The last news item came over the weekend, I believe, in Donta Foreman of the Texans getting cut. He did then uh, get picked up by the Indianapolis Colts. For me, this is kind of a little to do about nothing, I think. I really think they picked him up to kind of give that little added depth with them having to put Spencer where um, I think he's out for the year with an injury. I don't remember exactly what injury he has, but I know he's out for the year. I could see them probably just picking up Donta Foreman to back up Marlon Mack. I don't think that he's going to steal much work away from Mack and or Hines. Uh, so, kind of a little bit uh, of news about nothing for me, but I do know a lot of Donta Foreman truthers that think he's going to be the, the next coming in Indy, and I, I would pump the brakes on that. And this is coming from someone who doesn't like Marlon Mack. So, your thoughts on Foreman going to the Colts? Yeah, I I think uh, Donta Foreman is better than uh, Wilkins. So good. See, so much better than Wilkins. I can't even remember Wilkins' first name. <laughs> it's Jordan. Um, just Jordan so Wilkins. <laughs> so it makes sense with uh, uh, Ware getting injured. Now, I've I've saw speculation that Ware is likely to end up uh, getting an injury buyout. That his gotcha. injury probably won't keep him out all season. But it's more of a, you know, he can't do anything for a while. And so they'll they'll end up buying him out and let him go try to find a job somewhere else. Heck, maybe even back with them. You know, unfortunately for Foreman, he's he's trying to come back from an injury that honestly there just hasn't been a lot of success with players, especially running backs, yeah. coming back and playing at a high level from a torn Achilles. And I, I think he he could end up with some sort of role in the NFL, but it's likely going to be is that third running back that um, is going to, you know, sort of spell your two down starter uh, occasionally, but he's going to have to play special teams. And he, uh, 
he's going to have to improve what uh, has apparently been a poor work ethic. I, I don't think that uh, it, if he doesn't improve the work ethic, I, I don't think he'll be long for Indianapolis either. You know, sometimes that's what it takes to, uh, you know, light a fire under you, a la Chris Carter. But uh, yeah. I, I don't think he poses any imminent threat to Marlon Mack. Yeah, I'm right there with you. All right, so for today's episode, that'll, that'll well, end. Well, hold on. Yeah. The, uh, we're, we're just going to not pretend that we saw Antonio Brown's frostbitten feet. Oh, Uh, I really haven't looked at the picture because everybody I hear talking about it says not to look at the picture and I don't like stuff like that. So I did forget about that, though. So go ahead and uh, give me your thoughts on Antonio Brown and his, I guess, messed up feet. Well, I I, got to be honest. I didn't, quote unquote, look at it so much as I started to get a glimpse of it and I scrolled past it as fast as I can because I don't like that shit either. Yeah. Um, But frostbite is serious. And if, you know, something happens to the point where he loses feeling in a toe, you know, that could impact his balance. So hopefully it's not that bad and he's able to, with some time off and let his skin kind of uh, regenerate and heal up. Uh, but if he, if he has any nerve damage or potentially ends up losing a toe or something, stuff like that could, could affect the balance and, uh, you know, maybe uh, sort of exacerbate uh, any decline that he might experience as he gets older. I, I don't know. It, it didn't look good from the quick scroll past that I saw. Yeah. Uh, it, it definitely didn't look good. Um, so hope, but hopefully, you know, everything is good with the nerve damage. You know, frostbite's no joke. Yeah. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, I, I did hear this this morning that apparently he was in a hyperbolic chamber and either didn't have anything on his feet or didn't have the proper footwear on his feet. And so that's what's causing the issues. Uh, and I'm the same as you. I did not look at the picture. I've heard that it is bad, though. And like I said, I'm, I'm not one for that stuff, so I, I have avoided it as much as possible. I'm sure eventually I'll see it because it'll pop up on my Twitter timeline or something at some point. But so far I have managed to avoid seeing it. So that right there ends our breaking news segment. And today's episode, as I talked about in the introduction, we will be now doing our top 24 wide receivers. We did our quarterbacks first and our running backs last week. I am interested to see how this wide receiver one goes. I feel like this one might bring us the most uh, differences, so to say. Although, we were fairly different in most of our running backs. Our rankings were all kind of close to each other for the most part, so I do want to see how separate we are, especially on a few guys here that I think... uh, We'll dredge up a little bit of controversy, at least. So let's go ahead and kick it off. Who is your number 24 wide receiver for 2019? Zoltan in his highest completion percentage of his career, and down he goes! It's Beckham getting loose, and he's going to take it the distance. 87 yards. And 
be with this uh, winning team, a chance in his career to be part of a great team. Here's Hilton blitzing off the slot again. Passer Hopkins, oh my goodness. Did he catch that? Did he catch that? That's the touchdown catch of the year if that's good. They're still talking about it. There's a flag down. If he got that inbound, that's the touchdown catch of the year. Tip it up to himself. He tries it one-handed here and just tips it up and then goes with the other hand. Oh, what an unbelievable catch. Well, I am going to roll out uh, the one, the only big Mike Williams from the Los Angeles Chargers as my number 24. Uh, I really like him to, uh, you know, sort of step into that uh, number two wide receiver role. And if if uh, Melvin Gordon uh, prolongs his holdout, it could make them more of a passing team. I do think that the odds of him scoring 10 touchdowns this year probably are not uh, high. But, you know, he's shown that he's somebody that can be trusted down in the red zone. And Phillip Rivers isn't afraid to throw the ball and take some chances. So if he bumps up, uh, let's see, where was he at last year? 66 targets, 43 catches. So if he bumps that target count up, you know, close to 100, you know, he could pull in 75 catches maybe, push 1,000 yards, and, uh, you know, maybe eight touchdowns. So I, I like Williams a, a lot. Uh, I think his game is a little bit different than uh, Keenan Allen's yeah. from the uh, standpoint of, let's see, what, what are their yards per target? Allen was 8.8, .8, Williams was 10.1. So, you know, a yard and a half difference in uh, yards per target. So Williams does play down the field a little further. Um, that does open him up a little bit to uh, the lower catch rate, you know, 65% versus 71%. So uh, I, I like Mike Williams a lot, and he comes in as my number 24 wide receiver. All right, so hopefully this is not the start of a uh, total agreement episode, but that is who I have at 24 as well. So there's not really much that you left out there. Uh, I just think he's in for a big year. I'm not necessarily a huge Mike Williams fan, but just being there, the number two in that offense that, again, especially if Melvin Gordon is going to be out, the amount of times that they are going to throw the ball. We've seen Phillip Rivers is going to get the ball to his wide receivers. If Keenan Allen goes down at any point in time, which he has been injured a lot over the past couple of years, I don't know if he'll miss games. He, he did a good job of not missing many games last year, but he has sat out plays and everything, especially last year when he got hurt. Mike Williams could step up big time. He is a talented wide receiver. I think we finally saw him kind of really back and fully healthy last year after I think it was a neck injury coming out of college. So, or back injury. Um, so, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what Mike Williams can do in a good offense in a, on a team that is likely going to be throwing the ball. I think he's going to get a lot of touchdowns. Mike Williams at 24 for me as well. Who do you have at 23? At 23, I have uh, the new ageless wonder, Julian Edelman. Okay. Um, while he's currently a little bit dinged up, I do think that he uh, will be good to go by the time the season starts. I'm looking to see where his finish was last year in uh, 12 games. I must have missed him here on the Fantasy Pros PPR. Uh, or maybe I just can't read it. Wide receiver 20 in 12 games last season in PPR. 
So, he, you know, he's going to be the safety blanket. He's the first going to get you the first down. Um, his yards per target, lower than Keenan Allen at 7.9 in a career 7.2. So he operates in that underneath area. But, man, he seems to be always open. And, and Brady trusts him to be where he's supposed to be. He's currently, uh, oh, let's see, what's that? Oh, he's dealing with a thumb injury right now. So he should be ready to go by week one. So I have Julian Edelman coming in at number uh, 23. All right, so for me at 23, I have Sterling Shepard. Uh, I do think that he is going to likely be the two behind Golden Tate there in New York. Uh, I just don't know what we're going to get out of him. He has been inconsistent. While he's looked good at times, he's also looked extremely bad. Don't know what we're going to get out of Eli Manning in that offensive line. And if Eli Manning is at some point in time benched for Daniel Jones this season, I do think that's going to hurt Shepard's value even more. Still think he finishes as a wide receiver too, but I'm just not buying into the hype that he's going to take a big step forward with Odell gone. So he's my number 23. Who do you have at 22? Number 22, I have uh, Kyle Matthews' favorite guy there, uh, Corey Davis. Wow. You know, he's uh, he's a little scheme dependent, as in the uh, the Titans don't throw the ball a lot. But I think they are in a situation where um, they are going to throw the ball a little more. They brought in uh, a wide receiver across from him with uh, A.J. Brown that is going to kind of help open up the coverage for him. And if Mariota can't throw the ball, they're going to bring Tannehill in. And while Tannehill isn't great uh, with the deep ball, I think they're going to be a little more pass-oriented than we expect. So I I like Davis to to finish as a wide receiver, too. Man, the kid is talented. His market share in college was through the roof. He's a good wide receiver who's been held back um, by his team. And I think part of uh, the reason they stuck in house with uh, Arthur Smith as their OC is to try and get more out of that passing game. I don't believe I, I, I'm not sold on Johnu Smith. Delaney Walker's coming back from an ankle injury, and yes, they brought in Adam Humphreys to to play the slot. So there, there's more options uh, at the wide receiver spot. And I think it's going to help to spread coverage and maybe open Davis up to make some more plays. Uh, If I felt like there would be a big boost in volume, I would probably have him higher. I do think he's going to be the one in uh, Tennessee, uh, which will be good enough to get him up in that uh, wide receiver 22 range. So for me at 22, I have D.D. Westbrook. I think that he is going to take a nice little step forward this year. I think he's going to be probably the best option Nick Foltz has in the receiving game. While I don't think that Jacksonville is going to lean to being a pass-heavy team, uh, especially if Fournette is able to stay healthy, I do think that they're going to run the ball a lot. But I think he is probably 
the most dynamic wide receiver on that offense outside of maybe DJ Chark. But him being a second-year player, I'm going to take my odds on D.D. Westbrook. I think he's going to have a good year with Nick Foles under center and finish up there right toward the bottom as a wide receiver, too. Who do you have at 21? 21, I'm going with Tyler Lockett. Again, he's kind of in the same situation as Corey Davis, except he's got a good quarterback. Um, but he also has a great running game as opposed to um, a head coach that wants to be a great running team. So Lockett, I think, is going to lead the Seahawks in targets pretty easily. I think he's going to lead them in receptions pretty easily. And playing from the slot, he is shown to be an extremely dynamic playmaker. Uh, DK Metcalf will be tearing the lid off of that defense. He's big and fast, and all it's going to take is just a couple shots early in the season to make teams respect Metcalf as a deep threat, and that's going to open up things for Lockett. And I just think Lockett is going to – it wouldn't surprise me if Lockett gets 50% of the targets. It's probably an exaggeration, but I could see him you know, having uh, – pushing for the league lead in target share this season. So that's only one spot off of where I have Lockett. I have Lockett at 20. For me at 21, I have Chris Godwin. I don't uh, – I'm not buying into the hype as much as others are with him. I do think he's going to have a good year. I know Bruce Arians came out and said that he's not ever – he's going to be on the field 100% of the time and everything, and he had a good season last year. I finished at 27th with 185 points. I just don't necessarily believe in Jameis Winston. I know that Bruce Arians is, you know, being held up to be this QB whisperer, but if you really go back and look at the QBs he's had, I mean, Big Ben, Kurt Warner, I mean, come on, man. Like, that's not Andrew Luck when he was in Indy. Like, it's not like he's had a really bad quarterback that he's had to play with. So, I don't know necessarily if Jameis Winston is going to turn it around and be able to fling it all over the field and limit the turnovers because he turns the ball over a lot. Everybody is also big on O.J. Howard. Well, O.J. Howard, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans can all have amazing fantasy seasons. At least I don't think so. So I- Well, and Jameis came out, I think, just today or maybe yesterday saying that one of the things he's working on to limit turnovers is checking the ball down. And gotcha. so that's going to, you know, that, that could have a negative impact on Godwin uh, and uh, by default Mike Evans as well. So. If, if he decides he's not going to take those chances downfield. Yeah, that'll, that'll, well, it could, although I, I hate to say this because I'm kind of my, in a way defeating my own argument, that could actually help Godwin if he's going to be in the slot because he'll likely be somewhere near the line of scrimmage. But I'd imagine when he says taking a check down, he's going to the, the tight end or the running back, although right now Peyton Barber is a decent receiver but not very explosive and we've seen Ronald Jones at least at the moment has still shown that he's got brick hands so yeah I, it's, I it's gonna the check down back is gonna be Dario Gunbawale gotcha all right well regardless I don't think that Chris Godwin is going to be in for this huge breakout wide receiver one season that many do I do think he obviously has a better season than last I have him jumping up 221 uh, again finished 27 last year uh, who is your number 20 uh, at number 20, I'm going with, uh, you know, my man, my hometown guy, Juice Landry. I think right. Cleveland's going to be throwing the ball, um, and I think they're going to have uh, quite a powerful passing attack. And I think it's going to allow Landry to 
um, settle in nicely as a wide receiver too to Odell Beckham. And I think that uh, you know he's going to get enough volume, but I think he's going to lose some touchdowns because Beckham is a monster in the red zone. Uh, Nick Chubb is a beast when it comes to running the ball, and David Njoku is six foot four with you know eight foot long arms, and so there's a big red zone target there. So I think Jarvis is going to be strong in PPR. He's going to catch a good amount of passes. Um, wouldn't surprise me if he has one of those uh, 90 catch, 900 yard seasons that you know really drives some volume with uh, PPR. But you know, I think he might struggle for for touchdowns, and I, I don't I don't think he's going to play down the field much. I think he's going to s- settle into the slot in three receiver sets uh, and work the short game like he's historically been so successful at. So for me at number 20, I have Tyler Lockett. Uh, I'm pretty much on board with everything you just said for him with the Seahawks. I do think DK Metcalf is going to steal a little bit of work from him. And also with them, I still think they're going to be one of the more run-heavy teams in the league, which is also going to limit his upside. I think a lot of it is going to obviously come from his touchdowns uh, and just his down-the-field receiving. Uh, we, we saw it last year with him and Russell Wilson. Uh, they had a dynamic connection down the field I think that will return somewhat and that's why I have him coming in here at 20 just a few spots lower than what he finished last year at 16 Uh, but it's mostly because I really think a lot of the guys ahead of him again if they all stay healthy are in for huge years so who do you have at 19 coming in at number 19 I'm going with DJ Moore I I think he's going to be the number one in Carolina he's dynamic with the ball in his hands after the catch uh, he's he's a great route runner. He gets he can get space downfield. He can make plays in the deep game. Uh, I think part of his challenge is going to be Christian McCaffrey still just sucking up targets. He's that safety valve. Uh, McCaffrey plays in that short game and he just he sucks up targets. And then the ascension of Curtis Samuel as well. So I think McCaffrey and Samuel are what are is. The, that's what's going to keep DJ Moore from moving into that you know, elite echelon. I think he's got elite skills, but I just think that being in Carolina where he's competing with uh, Christian McCaffrey for so many targets, and that if Greg Olson is health, healthy, he's such a safety blanket for Cam Newton. Um, I, I like DJ Moore a lot. I think he's going to have a good year. Uh, I have him at 19, up from finishing uh, 36 last year. So I think he's up. He's in for a really good season. I hope so, man. I, I like DJ Moore a lot. Uh, I, I didn't get him in my top 24. I thought about it. My biggest fear is just Cam Newton. I need to see that shoulder before I can rank him higher. I, I know that they're saying all the right things out of Carolina. I, I just I'm worried about that, and I'm also worried about as you were just saying Samuel and CMC. Because I think Samuel is in for a big year. Matter of fact, when we get closer to the season, I might have Samuel finishing higher than DJ Moore just because I think he's going to get peppered with those targets closer to the line because I think teams are going to, not that they may, they'll may they be successful, but I think that they are going to try and key in on CMC with as good as he was. For me at 19, I had Julian Edelman. 
I think Edelman is in for just another great year as a wide receiver. I think he's going to get a ton of catches, a ton of yards. I think he's going to be limited on touchdowns because uh, I just don't think he has that breakaway speed anymore. I don't think he's going to be able to beat defenders into the end zone. I think once they get close, they're going to rely on that three-headed monster in the backfield of Michelle, Harris, and White. I know they've got Burkhead there too. I'm not that necessarily worried about Burkhead. Uh, but I, I just think with those three running backs, when they get down into the red zone, they're going to pound it in. They've, there's already reports coming out that Sony Michelle has been practicing on catching the ball, and they've been using him more in the passing game so far in practices, which I think could also hurt Julian Edelman a little bit more, as well as he's kind of been uh, his safety blanket, and, and Brady might start using Sony Michelle out of the backfield in that ass, especially because he was very, very good at that at Georgia in college. So Edelman, for me, at 19, still a very good year. Who do you have at 18? You know, this is probably the first surprise in my rankings. Um, At least it might surprise some people. I have Adam Thielen at 18. Wow, okay. You know, I've become a Stefan Diggs guy uh, over the past year. I like Thielen. He's a good player. Um, But he's the slot guy of the two. He can play. Yes, he can play outside. But he does great in the slot. Uh, Diggs, I think, is a little more versatile on the outside. So I like Thielen to have a good year. I mean, wide receiver 18 is no laughing matter. Um, But I think they're going to have a little more competition. I think they'll run some 12 personnel with Rudolph and Smith. Uh, I think Dalvin Cook is going to catch some passes. And so I think what's going to separate Thielen and Diggs is going to be um, the yards per catch and Diggs being able to get downfield, make more plays downfield, and get uh, additional yardage. So I, I have Adam Thielen coming in at 18. All right, so for me at 18, this one, I'm not going to lie, this hurt me a little bit. I was really big on this guy last year. I drafted him in, in a couple of the redraft leagues that I had. got him late and due to balled out now he didn't have a great fantasy season when you when you come down and look at it he finished number 21 last year with 207 points I have him finishing just a little bit higher here at 18 and that's Kenny Galladay I do I love Kenny Galladay I love his skill set I think he has a chance to be a red zone monster especially this year because I think TJ Hawkinson is going to not necessarily struggle but be used more in the blocking game than really the the receiving work at least this first year so I don't think he's going to steal a lot of red zone work away from Kenny Galladay especially because I saw a report that uh, was Luke Wilson I believe is who it was if I'm remembering correctly uh, was actually in the red zone packages more often than Hawkinson in some of the practices they saw I, I love Kenny G and it was so hard for me to rank him all the way down here at 18 but I just the, the players I have above him I'm more confident in than him, especially because, as I know you've talked about many a times, uh, with Bevel coming over here, I do think that they're planning on running the ball a ton. And where a lot of Kenny's uh, Kenny G's uh, points came from last year was being force-fed the ball because at that point in time, that was all Matt Stafford had. They had just gotten killed with injuries. Marvin Jones coming back, I think he's obviously going to lose some some workload to him, but those are two the, the only two players they have there in the receiving game, at least in my opinion, that I'd be worried about. So he'll still get a fair fair amount of work and, and touchdowns, I think, but uh, not enough to finish higher than 18 for me. Who do you have at 17? So 17 uh, was 
a little bit of a challenge for me because I, I just struggle with how are the Rams wide receivers going to shake out? What is going to happen there? Um, I have Robert Woods at 17. Uh, I like Woods in his versatility. Uh, he plays uh, plays well in the intermediate uh, area, and then he's he's got the speed to uh, if he catches that you know that 10, 12 yard pass, he's got the speed to be able to pull away uh, and and take it to the to the end zone. Um, the Rams are a passing team, even though they've got Todd Gurley, and I think. You know, the the Gurley stuff has been a bit overblown. I still think Gurley's going to have a great year. Uh, but the Rams run three wide receivers, and I think two of the three of them are going to finish fairly high. And so I have Robert Woods at uh, wide receiver 17. Well, I am with you on that with, uh, with, the, uh, with the Rams having two uh, in the – Top minor different minor top fourteen if if I'm being honest. So obviously I've got one of them coming up here. Uh, for me at seventeen I've got Jarvis Landry, and again I'm, I'm I'm pretty much agreeing with everything you said earlier. I think he's going to be in for a good year. Uh, the one thing I have set up I think for him to have a little bit better is catches. I do think he's going to somewhat be able to return to some of the production we saw from him in Miami with Ryan Tannehill with just catching a ton of passes but not necessarily getting a ton of yards. I could see him, you know, racking up a ton of catches, but only getting like 900-something yards, maybe 1,000. I believe he, he's really kind of only broken 1,000 a couple times. But touchdowns, as where I agree with you, is going to be a big regression because not just because of Odell, but that running game is going to be solid. We have seen that Baker is not going to target one person. So for me, Landry takes a little bit of a step back. Again, I don't think the one thing, and, and this is a little bit of a off topic here, is going to be interesting to see how he handles it with Odell, especially um, if neither one of them ends up having huge years, but they're both solid and winning. How that ha- how they handle that with Baker, but uh, Landry at seventeen for me. Who do you have at sixteen? Well. At 16, climbing all the way up from wide receiver 40, uh, I, I'm a believer. Uh, I, I think that uh, there have been some injuries that have held him back and some quarterback issues that have held him back, and I think this year he's going to put it all back together and it's going to be like, uh, I think, 2015 again or 2016. I've got Allen Robinson at wide receiver 16. I, I think Mitch Trubisky takes another step. Uh, he's in this offense for the second year now, and I think Anthony Miller on the other side will help spread the coverage out. They can't uh, double coverage, Alan, double cover Allen Robinson all the time. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Burton. You know, he's coming off of a sports hernia surgery, so I don't know if their tight ends are going to be super productive. But they do have some depth at wide receiver. Um, and then David Montgomery, I think, is going to add to that running game and really give them versatility that's going to – when he's in there, there will be – the defense won't be able to go, oh, well, they're going to pass or, oh, they're going to run. Uh, they'll have to respect that uh, uh, Montgomery can run the ball and catch the ball out of the backfield – and that's going to help open things up for Robinson. So uh, I like Allen Robinson to to deliver an, another 
uh, big year. Very interesting. He's another guy that did not make my top 24. Um, so for me at 17, I have the guy that finished at 17 last year, Tyler Boyd. Finished last year with uh, 221 points. I know that he's not going to have A.J. Green alongside him for probably at least the first game, if not probably the first four. But he's really their best option in the receiving game. They can't hand Joe Mixon the ball 50 times a game and hope that they end up winning the game. At times, Andy Dalton is going to have to force the ball to Tyler Boyd. And I think Boyd proved last year that he can handle it. Again, I know that he didn't necessarily show out that well when A.J. Green was out, but it's something you pointed out that uh, I really did not notice. A lot of those games were with Jeff Driscoll at quarterback, not Andy Dalton. And while... You know, Andy Dalton is not considered a top-tier quarterback in this league. He's better than Jeff Driscoll. I like to see what Zach Taylor could possibly do with this offense, and I think that he can make Tyler Boyd the focal point of it while A.J. Green is not there. So even with Green out, I think Boyd is going to have a good couple weeks, and then when Green comes back, I think Boyd is going to be able to take just another step forward, being the number two option, but possibly an even better wide receiver than what A.J. Green is at this point in his career. So who do you have at 16? At 16, I got my guy T.Y. Hilton. Uh, I, I've had, or at 15, T.Y. Hilton. Because I had Allen Robinson at oh, 16. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, my bad. All right, sorry, I got confused for <laughs> no, a second. No, I got confused too. I, I, I had put my guy on here twice at 15. You're good. It is 15, yes. 15 is Hilton for you? Yep. Uh, you know, Hilton, is a, he's a boom-bust guy. Um but I think he, I, I feel like he's the number one there, clearly. And they've got a lot of weapons, and so he's going to get some good looks. Uh, I'm monitoring Luck's calf situation, though Jacoby Brissett uh, you know, is turning into a respectable backup. And uh, I, I feel like Hilton is going to get his – he finished his wide receiver 14 last year. I think he's going to get a consistent amount of targets. He's going to make a consistent amount of plays. He's uh, He gets to the end zone. He's got great speed still. I still think Hilton's got a couple more years of high-level production in him if he stays healthy, and uh, I'm betting on him to, to rack up that uh, wide receiver 15 spot this year. All right, so for me at 15, I have, and I'm really just whispering this into the ether and hoping to make it possible so I don't lose some bets. I've got a Mark Cooper. Uh, again, not a, not a bad year, but 15 just outside that Tier 1. Uh, I do think that he is in for a good year here with Dak. However, if Zeke comes back, this team is still going to be built around the run and Zeke. I don't think Amari Cooper is going to be able to get away with some of the stuff he was able to get away with last year. Again, I know it's rare to see a wide receiver come over in the middle of the year and produce the way that Cooper has. In fact, I don't think we've ever seen it. However, defenses have now gotten a chance to see the way that they're going to use Amari Cooper. We have not seen... I'm going to... I, Kellen Moore is their offensive coordinator, correct? Because I almost said John Kitna again. I don't know yep, why I think... Kellen Kitna, Moore. Kitna is the quarterback. Yeah, I don't coach. know why Kellen I keep Moore. mixing those two up, but... There has been a lot of talk down here in Texas that Kellen Moore is the new wave play caller kind of thing. Like, he's one of those guys who mixes the college and the pro offenses. He's got that Boise State background. I got to see it to believe it. I'm sorry. He's never called the play before in his life, if I'm remembering that correctly. I need to see it. 
Granted, he has got all kinds of weapons around him. Dak is a more than serviceable quarterback. He is a decent NFL quarterback. One of the best offensive lines in the game, especially with Travis Frederick coming back. A transcendent talent at running back. Defenses are going to have to key in on someone. Chances are they're going to key in on trying to stop Zeke, not stopping Cooper. So that could help him out. I just don't think he's going to have the year that he had in the second half. Again, he finished as wide receiver 19 last year with 215 points. So a little bit of a step up. Again, he did have a pretty horrid start there in Oakland to begin the year. Uh, 15, I feel like, is a very serviceable spot for for him. I could be wrong on this one, uh, but I don't think he makes it into the top 12 just outside with fi- at 15. Who do you have at 14? At 14, I got the aforementioned Kenny Galladay. Um, well, I do think the Lions are going to be very run-focused uh, under Daryl Bevel. Uh, I think Galladay is the unquestioned number one. Um Oh, what the hell is his name now? Marvin Jones is is a really good wide receiver too. I think he's gonna he's shown that he can stretch the field and he can make plays and he's great at the point of attack. But Kenny Galladay is is a full grown man, and when you throw the ball in his direction, he's gonna go get it. Uh, they don't call him Baby Tron for nothing. So uh, I think Matt Stafford has that comfort level with Galladay, and. He's going to get targets, 110, 120, 130 targets, and he's going to be able to rack up uh, catches and touchdowns. Uh, I did see a blurb on Roto World today that said that TJ Hawkinson has been a fixture with the first team, and so that's coming out just like we expected. Yeah. He's going to be on the field. Uh, he'll get he'll get some red zone looks, and uh, uh, but he's a, a great blocker. And so Galladay is going to be the unquestioned number one wide receiver in Detroit. And he's going to uh, dominate the target share there. And he's going to put up top 14 numbers. So at 14 for me, I have Mr. Robert Woods. A little bit of a step back from 2017 where he finished 11 with 265 points. However, I think that's because the his running mate there and Brandon Cooks is finally going to surpass him and become the number one fantasy-wide receiver in Los Angeles. I I really like Cooks to have a good year this year. Finally getting a a real full season in there with with Jared Goff. Woods is spectacular. He's extremely talented. Don't get me wrong. I I like what Woods can do. I do think that they might end up even throwing the ball even more than they have the past couple years, especially with all this Todd Gurley news. However... They have come out and said that that is all pretty much to do about nothing and that Todd Gurley is going to be fine. If that is the case, the Rams still going to throw the ball a ton, so I guess that really doesn't matter. But for me, Robert Woods at 14, just a few spots below what he finished in 17 again because I think Cooks is going to finish higher. Who do you have at 13? At 13, I've got Brandon Cooks. Okay. So, I I just... uh, I feel like he's going to lead the Rams in fantasy points from the wide receiver position. Um, He stretches the field. He makes plays downfield. He gets volume, and he he gets gets 1,100 yards every year. It's just what he does. doesn't matter if he's in New Orleans or 
you know, New England or Miami, wherever the hell he seems like he's been everywhere. Uh, but he goes out and he gets you a thousand yards, eleven hundred yards, seventy-five, eighty catches, five touchdowns, six touchdowns. So Cooks is going to lead that team. Uh, I, I think he's going to be the one. I know uh, last year, uh, if you combine Josh Reynolds and Cooper Cup, they would have been third on the team in targets. Um, you know, Cup didn't make my top twenty-four. I just feel that his role, some of it, uh, is going to get absorbed by the running backs. Some of it is going to get spread around. I like Cup to have a good year. It, you know, if we were doing top twenty-five, he likely would have made the list. Um, but from where I sit, I look at it and I think, you know, they have they they've had three wide receiver twos essentially. Uh, and I think that the odds of that continuing, I'm just betting against it. Uh, call it a gut feeling. I don't have statistics to back it up. Uh, I don't know. I could probably find them, you know, cause there's lies, damn lies and statistics. So if I wanted to find statistics to back that up, I probably could, but I feel like, uh, Brandon cooks is still going to be the man there. He's going to, um, uh, put up more touchdowns probably than woods and, and uh, more yardage, uh, maybe not more catches, but more yardage. So I have uh, Brandon Cooks at 13. All right, so for me at 13, I have T.Y. Hilton, a spot above where he finished last year. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, finished 14th in 2018 with 239 points. Not really much else to add from what you said earlier. I think I'm right there with you. He's got a couple more years left in him. I think his, his downfall is being – just ridiculously widely over oversaturated or whatever you want to say. In my opinion, everybody keeps talking about how having uh, Funches there and Paris Campbell and everything that Hilton's just going to take a big step back. I don't see that one bit. Hilton and Luck have a great connection. I think that's going to continue for at least another couple years. And as long as Hilton can stay healthy, I would not be surprised if he breaks into the top 12. Uh, but for me, there was just none of the guys that I wanted to take out of the top 12 to put him in there. So he finished just outside for me at 13. So now let's get into the top 12. The elite options at wide receiver for us in 2019. Who do you have finishing as that first spot in the top tier at number 12? Well, at number 12, I have uh, Stefan Diggs. Uh, I, like I said when I was talking about Thielen, I think Diggs is going to lead this team in uh, receptions and yards. Uh, he's good for 100 catches. Uh, he's just dynamic. Uh, he, he Get the ball in his hands. He's fast. He, he's agile. Uh, he can catch the ball super, you know. I, honestly, there's... You're splitting hairs when it comes to him and Thielen. Um, I just like Diggs. I think Diggs is the one who's going to put up the numbers. Uh, and I, I think there's enough talent in Minnesota that he's not going to, that I, he's never going to move into that top five just because of the, the wealth of talent they have in Cook and uh, Rudolph and Smith and Thielen. Um, so he, he doesn't quite make that, you know, best of the best, but man, right at. It, you've watched him since he came out of Maryland and the dude is a baller. 
he goes and gets it, and he does. He he moves. As uh, Hank Stram would say, he matriculate the matriculates the ball down the field. <laughs> All right, so for me at number 12, I have Brandon Cooks. Uh, one spot above where he finished last year at 13 with 243 points. And I'm right there with you. As I said, I had both of them right there in my top 14. So Woods at 14, Cooks at 12. Think he's going to get more yards and touchdowns. I'm right there, lock in step with you on him becoming the one in Los Angeles. Again, uh, Last year when he came over, you know, I think from the trade in the preseason with the with the Patriots, he finished with 1,200 yards, not being in that offense whatsoever. Again, a completely new system. Some of that, I'm sure, is, is something to do with Sean McVay and the way that he is able to scheme wide receivers open. But now Brandon Cooks has been there for a full year now. He got a new contract with the Rams, knows he's going to be there for a while. I think this is going to be a huge year for a guy who is consistently overlooked. He has never at least from all the talk I see from a lot of analysts, considered a top option in the fantasy game. This year is going to be the year that he jumps up into that top 12 and shows everybody exactly what he is made of. Who do you have at number 11? At number 11, I have Antonio Brown. Ooh, a nice little fall from Brown, okay. You know, I that's probably as much an indictment on the Raiders offense and Derek Carr as it is on Antonio Brown. Uh, certainly the frostbite issue uh, needs to be monitored as that could have quite a detrimental effect. But I do think he's going to you know, get the lion's share of the targets. But Derek Carr just, in my opinion, isn't a terrific quarterback. You know, he's, he's an Andy Dalton, uh, you know, which – can be good sometimes and other times it's you know can be a nightmare uh they have to develop chemistry and uh, historically wide receivers changing teams uh don't typically meet their historical numbers that first year uh and so i'm i'm gonna buy into antonio brown taking a drop uh in part because of the offense he's going to be in, the quarterback he's going to be playing with, and uh, uh, changing up and going to a new offense. All right, so for me at 11, I have Mike Evans dropping two spots from number 9 in 2018 with 284 points. And, and a lot of the same analysis I gave for Chris Godwin, I'm going to give you here for Mike Evans. I just don't think that Jameis Winston is going to be able to limit the turnovers as much as we hear that he is going to be able to. I didn't even know about the uh, him checking down factor that you brought up earlier, if that's the fact. Or if that is a fact, I agree with you 100% what you said. That'll hurt Mike Evans' numbers even more again. Still a good year. Wide receiver 11. I think he's going to still put up a decent amount of touchdowns. I just think he's going to lose some catches and yards to Godwin and Howard, both up and coming in this offense. And then whatever work goes to the running backs, if that does happen, I think is going to affect uh, Evans' numbers just a little bit and dropping him down two spots. Who do you have at number 10? Number 10, I've got your favorite wide receiver, Amari Cooper. Oh, God, really? I do, man. I, You know, and I, I got to be honest, I struggled with having him that low. Interesting. Okay. Well, let me, you know, let me know why. Well, I've been, you know, I've been talking all offseason about I feel like Dak is ready to take a step. He's got the most talented receiving core he's had. Excellent offensive line. Great running back. 
No, I think Michael Gallup is poised to take a year two leap at the other wide receiver. And now all of a sudden you've got two, you've got a superstar on one side and an emerging talent on the other. And the defense has to decide where are we going to double cover? Who, how are we going to play? Are we going to go zone? Well, if you go zone, Amari Cooper has shown that he's an elite route runner. He's going to find the open spot in the zone. Uh, and Dak is going to throw the ball more this year. Uh, if Zeke doesn't come back, they're not going to have a whole lot of choice but to throw the ball more. And so I think that the table is set for Cooper to step up and, and have a big year. All right. Well, that plays perfectly into my hand because I want to make a little show bet with you then here as soon as I give you my 10 because although you have him much lower than I have Cooper I feel like both of us are kind of betting on these wide receivers to have good years so at me for 10 I have Adam Thielen I think that he is proven that he is he can be a top tier talent I, I agree with you that I think Diggs is going to take a step forward that's why I have Diggs higher than Thielen but Kirk Cousins had them both in the top 12 last year, and I think that's going to continue again this year. I think Thielen is going to finish at 10. Uh, well, yeah, he finished at 7 last year with 307 points. Again, started off extremely hot, did fade a little bit toward the back of the year, but I think a lot of that is more based on that offensive line than Thielen kind of struggling. I think he's going to have a good year, but will be surpassed by Diggs some. I do have Diggs higher than him. So show bet. Let's make a bet. Who has the better season, Adam Thielen or Amari Cooper? You in? I'm in. All right, all right. We'll, we'll hash out what happens with whoever wins, but you have uh, Cooper at 10. I have Thielen at 10. You had Thielen at 18, correct? Was it 18 or 17? Uh, 18. Okay, and I had Cooper at 15, so not much of a difference there. So we'll see who has the better season with that. I'm, I'm interested to watch me win this bet pretty much. Well, you you'll, you'll, you'll be wearing a clown suit at the Fantasy Football World Championships in 2020 while we broadcra- broadcast from Radio Row. Uh, we should do it at the Midwest Expo because we don't oh, know who's perfect. who. So I'll, I'll wear a clown suit at the Midwest Expo when we record live up on that podcast stage next year if – and only if Cooper beats out Thielen, which I don't think is going to happen. So I'll decide. I might have to have you wear – well, see, I was going to say Steelers, but they'd probably hurt you more if we went someone with the NFC North. I don't know. I'll figure something out. We'll, we'll figure something out before then. But who do you have at number nine? At number nine, I got Tyreek Hill. Uh, I like Hill's talent, but I just think that right now uh, – Pat Mahomes is going to be looking to spread the ball around a little more. Uh, he's developing a go where, go where the play is open. Um, and so I could be, this is probably the hardest one I, I had. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like Hill is uh, such a dynamic player that any given week, he can be the wide receiver one by 15 points. Yeah. Uh, it just he's that explosive, but I think with everything that's gone on this year, while yes, the field is their refuge, I just the combination of the distractions, uh, the team growing, Mahomes growing, maybe not forcing the ball to Hill as much. Uh, I, I feel like you know nine is a respectable spot, mm-hmm. uh, so that's where I have Tyreek. 
Yeah, he was he was one of the hardest ones for me to rank too. I have him a little bit higher than nine, just based on what you said. He he could easily be the best wide receiver by upwards of fifteen points at any given week, having Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback. So I did drop him from three, which is where he finished last year, but but just by a little bit. Uh, and, and I'll be honest, these top nine, it was extremely hard for me to pick one outside the top three. The top three were fairly easy for me, and I'm interested to see if we have the same top three. I'd imagine we have at least the same top two. I'm interested to see who you have in at three. And then four through nine, like, I could easily change. I mean, I, I wouldn't even have to hear that convincing of an argument and change any of these guys around. Like, that's that's how hard it was for me to rank these guys. But uh, for me, I ended up settling with Keenan Allen at 9, up 3 spots from last year, finished at 12 with 260 points. Uh, and the only reason I didn't have him higher than my next two guys, which I thought about, was because I do agree with you and Mike Williams taking a step forward. We've never really seen him have a true dynamic receiver on the other side of him. You know, Travis Benjamin, Tyrell Williams, while good wide receivers are not at all what we all think Mike Williams could be. And so that is what, for me, kept him from going even higher. Had Mike Williams not been there this year or it was hurt, I think I probably would have had him in my top five or six. Uh, but I, I dropped him all the way down to nine. Who do you have at eight? At eight, I have uh, Keenan Allen. All right. Uh, you know, I love Allen's talent. He he's a dog with the ball. Yeah. He he just uh, it, he's a great route route runner. One of the best route runners. I think he gets under credit or not does does not get the credit he deserves for how good of a route runner he is. I will say that. Yep. And so you know he had 136 targets last year, 97 catches. I I think that having the talent of uh, Mike Williams across from him for 16 games as the starter, is going to help him. Uh, it's going to help him be open more. Uh, and if, uh, like we said, if Gordon does hold out, has a prolonged holdout, they're going to have to lean on that passing game. Yeah. And when you lean on the passing game, you lean on your number one guy, and, and that's Keenan Allen. All right, so at number eight for me, I have Antonio Brown uh, dropping down from the five spot with 323 points, and and that is all really based on things you touched on earlier. I didn't even factor in the frostbite thing. Uh, I did these rankings uh, last week when we had decided we were going to do this, so I I didn't factor that in yet to my rankings. I probably would have dropped him lower. Um, I don't know if I would have had him as low as you did. Uh, but maybe right around ten or twelve. What? Where'd you have Brown at again? I can't. I can't remember. I, I had him at eleven, 11. and okay, I didn't. So. Uh, that that was not including the frostbite. Right. 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 Yeah, yeah. I'm just. I, I know that you saying that. I, I was just saying I didn't even factor that in either. Um, so actually, we would probably both had him right around the same. Then I would think had I had I thought about using that. Um, for me, a lot of his production in Pittsburgh came from the off-script play with Big Ben, which is based on the chemistry that the two have had over the years. I don't know if he's going to have that with Derek Carr, especially with missing all this time right now. This is when you're going to get that chemistry. So he's missing all that time this year. He is still a dynamic receiver and is going to be the best receiver that they have there in Oakland. He has put up six straight years of 100 catches, so I can't imagine that this is a year that it's going to break. I just don't see him getting the multi-touchdown games that he was getting in Pittsburgh and being force-fed the ball like he was in Pittsburgh. 
I could be wrong on that fact because we did see that happen with Jared Cook last year, who was by far their best receiving option in Oakland. I just don't see him having the success, though, that he had in Pittsburgh, so that's why I had to drop him down to eight. Still a very serviceable year, almost right there in that top edge of the wide receiver one category, uh, but dropping down to eight for me. Who do you have at number seven? At number seven, uh, I'm going with Mike Evans. You know, I love big wide receivers. I love big wide receiver ones. I love a guy, and you can can bash Evans all you want for, well, what's he (laughs) do when he catches it? He just falls down. Well, he catches it, and he falls down in the end zone. Or he catches it, and he's 25 yards down the field. So... Yeah, maybe he's not the most athletic guy uh, after he catches the ball. But you can throw the ball in his general direction, and he's likely to come down with it. Uh, I just feel like, you know, for me, when I look at what what I expect out of the Tampa offense, uh, I do expect them to throw a lot. even if uh, Jameis does check down, as reported by the Tampa Bay Tribune, does check down more, you know, the, then what that does is that will start to pull defenses up. You know, if that st- safety is one step closer to the line, that might give Evans that crack that he needs to catch that pass. Um, Godwin has to prove himself, but even then, having somebody. Uh, as good as we think Godwin is going to be across from him is going to open up uh, the passing game for Evans. Uh, it takes a defender off off of him and makes them have to cover more of the field. So for me, I, I like Mike Evans. I've got him as my uh, wide receiver seven this year. All right, so for me at seven, I have Stephon Diggs. As I said, I think he's going to have a better year than Thielen. Finished as wide receiver 10 last year with 266 points and did only play in 15 games. I think, again, with a full year now with Kirk Cousins and, uh, whoa, who is it, who is it, who is it, who is it? Stefanski, correct? That's the the offensive coordinator that stayed there. Now they've got a full year in his offense, took over mid, not midseason, but I think it was at least week 10 or 11, 12 Later in the season when DeFilippo got let go, they are going to run the ball more. We know that. That's what Mike Zimmer wants. But with Dalvin Cook as dynamic as he is, I think that could open up the play action for those guys. Again, Kirk Cousins now a full year with those guys as well. Another guy who's being underrated. Um, I think he's a phenomenal quarterback, a guy who's going to get the ball to Thielen and Diggs. Uh, you know, again, I said earlier, produced them both as top 12 wide receivers last year, and I think Diggs takes that big step forward. Because as much as I do love Adam Thielen, I think Diggs is more talented, and, and he is going to ball out and become the number one in Minnesota this year. Who do you have at number six? At number six uh, for the 2019 season, I have Michael Thomas. Oh, my goodness, really? So we're, we're going to be different on our top three. Interesting. You know, I I love Michael Thomas, uh, but I do think that the Saints uh, last year was maybe the start of a trend in passing volume. Breeze is great. He's very accurate. Thomas catches everything. Uh, he's the unquestioned alpha 
receiver in New Orleans. Um, and honestly, I I literally dr- just dropped him to six uh, about forty five seconds ago. <laughs> As I looked at my my I I, I flip flop my five and my six. Um, and honestly, it comes down to uh, expected volume on my part. Gotcha. Well, I'm not going to lie. I completely messed up my rankings, and I just now realized it as I was looking at mine. So this is going to be interesting because I'm not going to lie. I left off a, a top probably four option, and I did not. I don't know how I missed that completely. So this will be interesting. So at number six, I have Tyreek Hill. Um, again, he finished number three last year. We know he's not going to be suspended. Dynamic threat on the field with Patrick Mahomes. I do think that he might lose out some. Uh, we've seen Miko Hardman having some pretty good videos in camp. Travis Kelsey is a stud. Uh, yeah, well, I'm no right Mikko there with you. Hardman. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to do anything, but... They've got other players outside of Hill. I mean, if you believe in Sammy Watkins, he is technically still there somewhere. I I just think that Hill is not going to get all of the work. The defenses are now, while it is going to be hard to figure out a way to stop Patrick Mahomes, especially with his off-script plays that he completes, defenses have now had a full year to kind of watch tape on him. I do think they're going to attack him a little bit differently. We'll see if that affects Tyreek Hill any. I believe that it will and so I think that's what's going to drop him from three to six. Who do you have? We're, we're jumping in here now in the top five. Who do you have at number five? At number five, I have Julio Jones. Uh, recently moved up from number six. Gotcha. <laughs> and, and honestly, it came down to, as I was sitting here and I'm staring at him, it came down to expected volume, and I just think Julio is going to get more volume. Uh, I, the Falcons are going to throw the ball more. Uh, they are a pass-first team, and it's going to be Jones and Ridley and Hooper. And who do you throw the ball to the most? You throw the ball to Julio Jones. He's going to get his 130 targets, 140 targets. And it may only be 15 or 20 targets more than Michael Thomas, uh, but it's still more. And Julio is deadly with the ball in his hands. Uh you know, I, I love me some Julio Jones, and so I'm going Julio Jones at five. All right, so that is who I completely forgot on my list, if I'm being honest. What the I flip? I don't know how I forgot him. I, either I deleted it at some point and didn't save it, but I just realized it when I was looking here at my top five. I was like, so I wonder, when you said Thomas, because I'll just be honest, I have Thomas in my top three. So then I was thinking in my head, I was like, well, who is he? Oh, it's got to be Julio. And then I looked at my list and was like, how the I'm just going to cuss. How the fuck did I leave Julio off? So, yeah, I don't know. Julio I would have had at six, though. So what's really interesting to me is who you left off of your top five because I feel like my top five are are going to be close to, if not, the top five in the NFL. So that means one, three of these guys – no, wait. There's one of these guys that you can't have on your list at all. So who didn't make your top 24 out of these five is going to be interesting to me. Because one of these guys, right? Because, yeah, because I'm on five now, so that means you've got four players left? Oh, maybe yep. you have. No, four yeah, player. yeah so four you players probably do have left, all yep. four on here. Son of a bitch, I'm an idiot. So I apologize to all you Julio truthers out there. He would be number six for me. No, five. Actually, he would be five. Uh, for me, who would have been six, who I have at five on my list, because I forgot Julio Jones is Juju. Uh, I, I don't buy into the whole Juju can't do it without Antonio Brown narrative. 
Juju has come just taken steps forward every single year. He's looked like a phenomenal wide receiver last year. I think he's going to be just fine without Antonio Brown being there. He finished last year as wide receiver 8 with 296 points. I understand that that was as the wide receiver too, but guess what? The guy who was eating up all those targets, and and granted, I think actually uh, Juju out uh, got more catches than Antonio Brown last year. Granted, Antonio Brown did not play in week uh, 16 or, or no, week 17. Uh, but Juju did get more catches than him, and now Antonio Brown is gone. The guy that Big Ben would feed the ball to. He would purposely target Antonio Brown to keep him happy. I don't think all those targets are going to Moncrief and James Washington. I do think that a lot of those, not I wouldn't say 80% of them, but a good amount will end up going to Juju. And so I think he's going to take a step forward and finish up as number five. Who do you have at number four? At four, I have Juju. Okay. Uh, I believe as well. I I think that he is he's the so as we've seen over Big Ben's career, they have a stud wide receiver. They bring in a number two, plays at number two for a few years, couple years. That stud becomes usually too expensive. They let him move on. Two moves to one. They bring in a new two. You know, that's that's what they've done over the years. Yeah. Emmanuel Sanders, Mike Wallace, you know, it just they just keep bringing people in. Uh, oh, Antoine Randall L. And uh, oh, who was the one cat uh, from played quarterback at George, Heinz Ward? Heinz Ward yeah. You know, th- they just keep bringing people in. Santonio San Holmes, and they just kind of keep they move them up. They they groom them, and then they step them up and let the other guy move on. And that's what they've done with Juju. He came in, he had a couple great years as the number two. Antonio Brown, hey man, thanks for your service. It's time to take your frostbitten feet and get the hell out of here with your blonde mustache. Uh, so Juju, uh, it, I don't think they're going to pass as much as they did last year because what they throw six hundred and fifty yeah. passes or something yeah, crazy. It's ridiculous. I, I do think they're going to step back from that. But Juju is going to get the volume. He's going to be the number one volume guy. At number two, you've got Moncrief and Washington. Vance McDonald is probably in for a career year. Jalen Samuels is going to get some targets. Uh, Ryan Switzer, Deontay Johnson. So you're going to have a bunch of other guys, but the constant is going to be Juju, and he is going to vacuum up targets. I could see him getting 150, 160 targets this year. Yeah, so for me at number four, I have Odell. Um, and this, some people might say this is Brown's homerism and bias into it. It might be. I just think Odell has proven when healthy he can be the most dynamic wide receiver in the NFL. He is just that damn good. In my opinion, not just Eli Manning, but that offensive line has kind of let him down the past couple years. If you, I'm again, I, I've I've been very open and honest about this. I'm one of his biggest fans. I, I've loved Odell since he won me. I think it was like six championships back in the day when his rookie season. Uh, I mean, I, I picked him up, made trades for him before he went off, and dude did not let me down. I, I ever since then been a huge fan. I've watched a lot of New York Giants games, and the past couple years. He has been just completely missed by Eli Manning in so many big moments where he overthrows him, underthrows him, doesn't even throw it anywhere near him, throws it to the other team. 
Baker, I don't think, besides maybe throwing it to the other team, because Baker does throw interceptions, Baker's not going to miss Odell as much as Eli did, in my opinion, which is going to allow him to take that step forward. I do think he's going to score a decent amount of touchdowns in Cleveland because I do think they're going to have an explosive offense. Um, I, The one thing that worries me, and I know we've both talked about it on here, is that defense. I think that defense is going to be much better than a lot of people are talking about right now, which might mean the Browns are going to be in for some low-scoring games, so I'd Hope not and don't think so. I think that they are going to step on people's throats in every shot that they get, especially with the way that everybody is talking about them now being, now everybody needs to pump the brakes and and Cleveland's not even going to win the North. I do think that a lot of those guys are going to come out here with a, with a you know, feeling that they're going to need to prove it and shove it all back in everybody's faces. And I think Odell is going to be the recipient of a lot of that. He needs to keep a cool head. Needs to understand that there are going to be weeks that Jarvis is going to be better than him or Callaway or Njoku. But in the end, I think Odell is going to be sitting high up on this list based on touchdowns and catches. And I think he's going to have a phenomenal year. Again, the caveat being he's got to stay healthy. Uh, If he misses any time, obviously he's not going to finish up at four. But if he stays fully healthy this year, I think he's going to have a top four finish. So that gets us into the top three. Who do you have at number three? At number three, uh, I'm going with, with Devontae Adams. Ooh, okay. You know, I love Adams. Uh, he's got a great quarterback. New offense this year. Uh, improved running game, I think. Uh, I think this new guy is going to let Aaron Jones run the ball a little bit more. But he also has a stronger supporting cast, uh, MVS and Allison, uh, Equinemius St. Brown. Uh, I think they're all kind of primed to take a step, and that's going to help open things up for Adams. Uh, you won't be able to key on him. He's a monster in the red zone, and I feel like we're looking at, you know, it wouldn't surprise me a bit if Adams finished as the one. Uh He's Aaron Rodgers' guy. You know, he, he's the new Jordy Nelson. Uh, he'll be open when Rodgers needs him to be open. And so I, I have uh, Adams at number three. All right. So I won't, I, I'm not even going to lie. I have Adams at one. Uh, I think he's going to have a phenomenal year. So that I was a little surprised that you have him at three, but I don't disagree with some of the narratives you just uh, said. For me at three, I have Michael Thomas. Again, based on everything you said earlier, I think Thomas is in for a phenomenal year. My biggest thing for moving him up this high is they just don't have anybody else. I don't think any of those guys are going to take a step forward. I know they got Jared Cook, and I'm sure Jared Cook is going to have a good year by tight end terms. I don't think he's going to eat in Michael Thomas's. uh uh, oh my goodness, what a production there. That was the word I was looking for. I don't think he's going to eat into Michael Thomas's production that much. I think Thomas is in for another phenomenal year this year. Uh, what did he finish at? So he finished his wide receiver six last year with 315 points. I think he's just going to not necessarily knock that out of the water, but have an even better year this year. So who finishes at number two for you? Well, and you thought at number four you might experience some homerism. <laughs> Uh, I've got Beckham at okay. uh, two, and I'm basing it on the expectation that he stays healthy all year, uh, which is a big if. I'll be completely honest. Yeah, it is. You know that him playing all 16 games, 
Uh, it's not a regular occurrence. But I do think that the Browns are going to pass. I think that as good as their defense is likely to be, um, the Browns have been carrying a chip on their shoulder for the last 20 years. And if they can beat the snot out of the other team, they can. I think that Freddie Kitchens and and uh, the Browns, I think they're looking at it from the standpoint of uh, it isn't our job to stop us. And so that being said, we have probably the most explosive offense in the NFL. And Odell Beckham Jr. is one of the most explosive players in the NFL. Yeah. And Baker Mayfield is one of the gutsiest quarterbacks. And he'll throw those, you know, he does throw more interceptions than you'd like because I don't think he's ever seen a guy that wasn't open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so very true. I, I think the two of them are a match made in fantasy football heaven. Yeah. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, watching them. And uh, I've got Odell Beckham at number two. I'm going to be counting points. Hey, I, I would not. I wouldn't be any happier to be wrong on that one. To be honest with you, man, I I love Beckham, and I would hope he has a phenomenal year. Uh, so for me, two I imagine is your number one then, and that's DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I mean, there's really nothing negative you can say about Hopkins. He is by far one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver in the league. The only reason I have him below Adams is because Adams finished just four points behind Hopkins and played one less game. Uh, I, I understand what you were saying about Adams and everything with his new offense. Um, but for me, I just think he is definitely Aaron Rodgers' favorite weapon and his go-to guy, and we've seen what Rodgers likes to do with those guys going all the way back to Jordy, uh, Randall Cobb when he had a couple good years. I'm forgetting who right now off the top of my head. Um, but uh, Donald Driver was another one who he just had a phenomenal connection with. I do agree that they're going to have a better running game this year, but when it comes down to the red zone, I think Devontae Adams is just going to eat in the end zone. You know, last year, the, a stat that we talked about, I believe we had Kyle and Brandon on a wide receiver episode earlier in the offseason. Devontae Adams had at least 80 yards or a touchdown in every single game that he played in last year. That is just phenomenal to do that. I think that he's going to continue to do that, or if not better this year, because while I do grieve that they're going to have a different offense and possibly better offense, I think in the end that all helps Adams. And then for the that's the only reason I bumped him ahead of Hopkins. We had uh, Bob Lung on also earlier in the offseason when his consistency guide came out. And he talked about how Hopkins... Uh, you know, was right there as one of the best wide receivers, I believe, was the most consistent next to Antonio Brown um, and was almost on a longer streak. He had a chance to beat Antonio Brown's streak this year. I think that will happen. The only thing that worries me about Hopkins is that offensive line. If Will Fuller stays healthy, I could see Hopkins losing some work to Fuller. And I do think because of how bad the offensive line likely will be again this year. I think Kiki Kuti is going to take a little step forward this year, which I think will also eat into Hopkins' production just a little bit because I could see 
Watson trying to check down to Kuti more often than he would have in the past when he was just throwing those lasers down the field to Hopkins because he knows that you can throw it within probably a five-yard radius and Hopkins is going to go up and get it. So, I mean, I would not be surprised if these two don't finish again in the same within a, within a few points of each other. The only reason I, I dropped Hopkins was I'm just a little bit more worried about his offensive line and, and the other weapons around him than I am as of Adams. So that all being said, I imagine your number one is DeAndre Hopkins. That's what I figured. I just love that man. <laughs> I'm right there with you. He's phenomenal. You I know, mean, it's he, it's it's ridiculous. It's there's there's not a lot you can say. He's he's the target vacuum. I, I get Fuller when Fuller's healthy, he makes plays and QT makes plays. But man, it's it's the DeAndre Hopkins show. Porous offensive line or not, you know, Watson is mobile, so they can move him around. Bill O'Brien schemes that offense through DeAndre Hopkins, and uh, he's he's you know, he's my number one uh, until he gets dethroned. You know, I'm going to keep him there at number one. I just feel like man just he he's like a it's like watching Barishnikov out there you know or one of the great masters when when he's out there running routes and catching balls covered uncovered one hand two hands one hand one leg you know it doesn't matter you just throw it in his direction and he's gonna bring it in yeah, like I said, it, it was very hard for me. I was going back and forth on those two for a while, but I, I'm, I'm going to stick with Adams. I, I've said it multiple times this offseason, and I think Adams is going to be the wide receiver one in 2019, and I can't back down from that now. So thank you, everybody, so much for, for listening to us today. Uh, if you have time, please rate and review the podcast. We would truly appreciate it. Um, other than that, we will be back on Thursday with a tight end episode. And then next week, we will be doing something a little bit toward what Dennis mentioned earlier with the Cleveland Browns. We will be talking about the top offenses in the league. We will be going through and doing a, a little exercise that I'm quite excited about. I don't want to say too much about it because I want everybody to kind of find out about it as they listen on next Monday's episode. So again, guys, thank you so much for listening to us. Dennis, before we cut out of here, let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter and if you've got anything in the works with Dynasty Nerds. I am at culture underscore coach on Twitter. And uh, we are, you know, ramping up our preseason content on Dynasty Nerds, looking at some uh, potential player profiles, some IDP articles. Uh, we got a John Glosser has been working on a, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, a coaching scheme article where he kind of reviews the coaching schemes from each offense. And uh, we will be looking at uh, just putting out a couple articles a day. And we're excited to be pumping that stuff out. For sure. It's awesome. As, as we've said multiple times, the, uh, it's only worth a cup of coffee, guys. One cup of coffee a month. And it, it is well worth it for everything you get from the IDP, Redraft, Dynasty, Devi content, everything. It's the best in the biz. So definitely check that stuff out. 
Uh, as again, as I mentioned earlier, you can find me at SportsFanaticMB. Uh, and again, we will be at the Midwest Fantasy Expo, as I talked about in the intro, and the Fantasy Football World Championships here in the coming weeks. In a month, uh, in the coming weeks for the Midwest Fantasy Expo and Dennis, and then in a literally a month. Me and Dennis will be in Vegas for the Fantasy Football World Championship, so we cannot wait. It is going to be an exciting month for us as we are ramping up into the NFL season, guys. Again, make sure to watch out. We won't really be talking much about the games on Thursday while we're recording because they will all be getting to start, but make sure to watch the games Thursday if you want to get any ideas of rookies and any other stuff, and then we will have full breakdowns of those as well, or at least the standout performances breakdowns in the coming weeks and as the starters start ramping up their playing time me and Dennis will definitely start getting in and breaking down those preseason games so Dennis thank you so much for joining me today and have a great day right on prepare for glory I don't know if you got your popcorn ready do you got your popcorn ready I came out the wall line ready and he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown I would be honored Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle in the corner.